good morning. As we begin our time together, as we, we take time out of our busy, busy lives, I think Sunday mornings are, in many respects, the best day out of the week because they make sense of everything else that we're trying to do. How many of you have ever heard that old adage, you can't see the forest for the trees? Right? I mean, most of us are familiar with that. Um, the reason for that little parable is it reminds us that sometimes in our lives we become so busy with tasks that we forget the path that we're on. We forget why we're doing it. We, we, we become so uh, obsessed with doing things that we fail to see the, the forest, the, the story, the beauty, the grandeur that is all around us. We, we, saw, we only see the individual events and we don't see the, the story that's playing out. The reason that I bring that up is I think that that is more true in our generation than at any other time, and it'll become even perhaps even more true for your children and your grandchildren in the days that are ahead. As things become faster, as things become uh, more chaotic, as, as time begins to shrink. Now, in that parable, in that little story, whether you can see the forest for the trees, the idea is, is that as your life becomes busier, you become obsessed with the individual task, right? We have more emails, more texts, more events to go to, more things to do. But as we create space in our lives, as we create margin in our lives, the ability to, to, to be reflective, we can see that there's a bigger story of which we are a part of. And what Sunday mornings allow us to do is what God is trying to do is break into your busy life and to give you those moments in life to say, do you see what's going on? Do you see where you are? Do you know where you are? Can you hear my voice? There's more to life than what you understand, what you're going through. I saw a, um, a statistic that, that said that the average person uh, receives more information, more data, more newspaper clippings, more text, more email in one week than an average person living in the 16th century would receive their entire life. You, you're becoming bombarded with information, and, and, and I believe that you feel it too. You just naturally feel it, right? Um, you feel that whenever you hit your job on Monday morning, there'll be a list of emails, you hit the ground running, Monday morning grind, put your nose to the grindstone, that kind of life. We're, we're moving closer to the trees. What God is inviting you to do is to kind of back up and say, can you see the beauty of the life that you've been given? Because can, can you imagine anything more tragic in your life than to kind of go through your entire life and never really see the grandeur, the, the majesty, the beauty, the transcendence that is all around us? It's kind of like this slide that I, that I chose this morning. It's this idea of, you know, you go to maybe, if you've ever been to a subway station, subways cross underground and, and trains are going overhead and there's bus routes and, and it's like, you are here. Well, there are two things, right? This is where you are, but where do you want to go? And sometimes you can be so obsessed that you don't know where you want to go. I, I don't know where I want to go. There was like in uh, Alice in Wonderland, Alice asks the Cheshire Cat, how do I get out of here? He says, well, where, where do you want to go? And she said, I don't really know. And he said, well, then any path will get you there. 
Sometimes we get like that ourselves. We, and I, I, as you sit here this morning, I want you to think for just a moment about your own, your own life. Is it becoming, are you moving closer to the trees? Or are you beginning to see the bigger story that is playing out around you? You know, that's kind of the, the story that we want to tell as a church. We want you to know I, that if I could imprint upon you, this would be the message that I want you to know. I want you to know that you were made for more than what your job is. When you retire, nobody cares about what your job was. You're the only one that cares about that. You're made for more than that. It's about who you are. There's more than where you are. God is trying to reveal a much bigger story than you're trying to create. That all of those emails and those texts and those things are, are beginning to, to take that energy from you, that grandeur, that beauty, that story that God is trying to impart upon you. Now you're here this morning because God has drawn you to, to be a part of that story, to take your place in the grandeur, the kingdom that is coming around. But oftentimes, it's hard for us to see. And so when Jesus came, he talked to the, the peasants, the, the common people, that were asking, where is that story? Where, where is the wonder, the majesty, the beauty of life? Is it just, you know, we live, we work, and we die? Jesus said, no, it's about so much more than that. And so Jesus began to tell things that are called parables. Parables were designed to get behind your defenses. So often we want to be very logical and very reasonable. And what Jesus would do is he'd tell a story and you go, oh yeah, I can really get to be a part of stories. I can really understand a story and I, I can share it. And he said, now I want you to set that beside your life. I want you to set that beside your life and see how maybe you're part of that story. What role do you have in that story? And so parables were designed to help you navigate the complexity of your life, where you are and what you're doing. So we're gonna be, we've been looking at parables for the last couple of weeks. Parables actually mean to be set aside, to be in comparison to, to help you navigate. Uh, they set beside your life. And, and we, we talked about how sometimes when Jesus spoke to people, they had common questions. See, I imagine that Jesus would gather with a bunch of peasants. And I, and I shared last week that for, for me and, and for my family, for, for me in particular, we come from a very long line of peasant stock. We're, we're not uh, royalty. We don't have any aristocracy in our line. We're not part of the Pharisee. We're not scribes. We're not uh, wise people. Uh, my grandfather, uh, they had to, after the First World War, they fled uh, Austria and they came over here on a boat and, and they're just working class people. And so I, I imagine Jesus gathering these people together to tell them a story, tell them about what life was all about. And, and I wondered, if you're a peasant and you're just out working the farm, you're either a shepherd or you're working the, the fields, you're doing, you're taking care of the, the, the fig trees, whatever that, the olive trees, whatever that may be, what are the kind of the questions that, that, that peasants would have? And, and I imagine that they would say, does God really care about somebody like me? I mean, I, I'm not aristocracy. I don't really have things going for me very much. I'm just trying to eke out a living with my family, just doing the best that I can to get through. And so Jesus said, well, let me tell you the story uh, about the lost sheep and the lost coin, how God is always looking for you. Jesus might say, now let me remind you of, of what God said through the prophet Jeremiah. He said, I know the plan that I have for you, plan to prosper you and to give you hope in a future. And, and so he said, God is always looking for you, always trying to search out 
and to find you. And then last week we talked about the sower and the seed, how, how the word of God is sown to all kinds of different people, but you will respond to it depending on your station in life, depending on your situation. Some people grow, over time, will grow cold and they'll grow hard and, and they become so obsessed with either making money or getting the job done that they can no longer hear the word of God. It doesn't penetrate. There's other things to do on a Sunday morning than to hear about the story that is playing on all around them. There are those people that are, that are busy, but sometimes they get choked out by the busyness of life, trying to be like everybody else, by all of the activities, and life itself is choking out life in you. And then there are those people that you just, you know, you've been around them, they just bring forth an abundance of joy in the lives of other people. They seem to just cascade hope and joy and love wherever they go. They're, you love being around them because they're so joyful. He said they begin to bear an abundant fruit. And so we begin to see that there's more that's happening in our lives. But I want to come back and think, I also want to kind of know, God, what have you given me? I mean, I don't really have anything. I don't really have a whole lot. And, and I think that Jesus said, you, you have so much more than what you think. And so he began to talk about what to do with what you have. What is it that you have? What is it that each and every one of you have been given? The image of God has been placed in you. And, and what is it that we do with the, the gifts and the talents that we're given? Well, here's the gifts and talents all of us have been given. The first one is, is we each have wisdom, the, the ability to rationally think, think through problems, some more, some less so, but you can learn from your experiences, you can be intentional, you can make decisions, and as a result of those decisions, you're accountable for the consequences that come from those decisions. You, it, it allows you the ability to decide what your future will be. You've been given a head to make those choices. You also have been given a heart. It's out of the heart that the mouth speaks. It speaks of gentleness, of kindness, of patience. It's, it's out of that that we have our sense of compassion for other people. That gentleness that flows out of the heart is something that each and every one of us have been given. And of course, in order to make that complete, we also have the hands, the ability to do something with our lives. The ability to make an impact on the people that are around you, in your own life, the ability to take action, the, the, the ability to be proactive, to make commitments, the ability to be generous and to, to share joyfully. Now, when you put all of those three together, when the head, the heart, and the hands work together, you actually have the combination of faith and hope. If you eliminate one of those, if you just say, it, mentally, I know this is the right thing to do, and I feel that I should do it, but I'm just too busy. Jesus tells a parable about the Good Samaritan where people would pass by. They knew it was the right thing. They could see it. They felt bad, but time and pressure just made life pass them by. When they're all working together in harmony, we have the sense of both peace and joy and love coming together when we're all, all three of those are working together. But Jesus began to talk about how the gifts that you've been given, you already know that you have certain gifts, whether it's this church that, that we enjoy, it's the praise team, it's, it's the, the word of God that has come to you, it's this understanding that there's something bigger that is happening. Jesus said each person has been given something in their life. And he said, now the question is, is what to do with what you have? That's the question that we're asking. What to do 
with what you have. So, of course, Jesus turns to the parables. He tells a story. Let me tell you a story. And he goes on to say the following. He said, now, again, it will be like a man that is going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work, and he gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, and he dug a hole in the ground, and he hid his master's money. Now, after a long time, the master of those servants returned, and he settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. So his master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come, share in your master's happiness. When the man with two bags of gold also came, Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. And then the man who had received one bag of gold, Master, he said, I knew that you were a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid, and I went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and I gathered where I have not scattered seed? Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has 10 bags. For whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. And whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This is the word of God for the people of God. Now the question obviously is what has this got to do with us? We've been given certain gifts and talents and we have to look at our lives and say, so what do we have and what have we been given? The parable unfolds as the master comes and entrusts, he gives his wealth to his servants. Certainly not something that he has to do, but something that he wants to do. He entrusts it to their care. And he gives them different amounts depending on their ability. Now, the interesting thing in our generation, what I find fascinating if I put myself into that position, have you ever tried to give your kids different amounts of chocolate milk? And they start looking and they start comparing who has the most. Hey, he's got more. I can put them right, the glasses right next together to try to compare. You notice that the argument doesn't naturally happen in this parable. Why did he get five? I only have two. Why don't I have as much as he has? It's the ability to use what you have been given where you are. Can you bloom in the ministry to which you have been called? And so the one that has five goes out and he's excited. He's a risk taker. 
Now, he's got a, a number, and, and in this time, it, the, a lot of the commentaries talk about one bag of gold would be equivalent to 20 years of wages for a common peasant. So in Jesus telling this story, he's telling that the master has entrusted more than an excess, an incredible amount of wealth to these servants. So he's a risk taker. He says, I'm going to invest this. I, I feel that the master would be pleased if I go out and I invest that. He's a risk taker. He goes out and he invests it and he doubles his money. Same with the one that has two. It isn't dependent upon how much they have, but what's part of how they view their relationship with the master. So the first thing that we want to gain from what this is, is this quote that I've often shared with you from the philosopher Cicero. Cicero once said that gratitude is not only the greatest virtue, it is the parent of all others. Gratitude is not only the greatest of virtues, it is the parent of all others. So as you sit here this morning, what are you truly grateful for? Now, in order for you to be grateful, you have to recognize that it's not something that you deserve. It's not something that you say, I have it coming to me. There's a sense here in this parable, a difference between being entrusted with something versus entitled to it. Are you here this morning because you are being entrusted with God's word and God's presence and God's love, or are you entitled to it? You know, dear God, I have come here this morning. I have taken time out of my busy schedule to be here, so I deserve a certain amount of your presence this week. Watch over me. It's kind of what we call fire insurance, the ability to come on a Sunday morning and say, God, you owe me something. Gratitude is a sense of, God, thank you that you've been watching over me. As I think over the past week, I think of the ways that you've been part of my life and the ways that you've made a difference in my life. What do, I, what do I think Jesus is trying to say in our lives? Am I grateful? Do you exude a grateful spirit? Do you recognize what you have been entrusted with? The abundance that you have in this place and in this time. And the trouble with it is that sometimes when we get closer to those trees, when we fail to see the forest around us, we don't see the blessings that we truly have, the ability to see what God is doing in our lives. Sometimes when we follow up on more emails, more text messages, follow up on more Facebook posts, all of that kind of noise in the background, God gets squeezed out of the picture. And all we, fail, all we get to see are those individual events that are happening in our lives. The ability to see what God has truly given to us. In the story as it plays out, both the one that gained 10 and the one that gained four come back and they receive the same affirmation. It's the exact same. It's not dependent upon how much you achieve or what you achieve, but that you strive to do something with the blessings that you have been given. But we come to the one that had one bag of gold. And what was the one thing that hindered this person from responding? It was that sense of fear. More than any other thing that Jesus talks about when he comes to people as they come around, he said, fear not, God is with you. Don't be afraid. Our fear of failure, our fear of death, our fear of our own mortality hinders us from really reaching out. Our fear of what other people will think of us if we step out and do what God is asking us to do. When we have a grateful spirit, we recognize that God has poured his love into our lives and we can expand and we can grow even more than where we are now. 
There are three things that I want us to, to take away from this based on the three different individuals, three servants that come back. The first one is, is asking the question, not why me, but what now? Each of the individuals is given, given a different amount and they don't compare what they have with other people and say, why me? Why did I only get one bag of gold? How many times have you ever heard somebody say, if I could only win the lottery, then all of my problems would be solved, right? Why me? Why do I have these problems? We often know, we know from history, we know from statistics, that if you were to win the lottery, your problems would only be beginning. It isn't about what you have, it's about the attitude with which you take it. How many times are we given challenges in our lives and we say, why me? Why is God doing this to me? The question that we learn from this is not, why me, but what now? The second thing is, is that whenever we get fearful of investing our lives, of stepping out, of doing something out of the ordinary, we often project fear into the unknown. But what if? I knew that you were a hard man. I, I knew in my heart that you reap where you don't sow, that you gather where you don't scatter seed. I knew that. It was in his heart. He believed that deeply that he would be punished for investing, and so he just dug a hole. How many times have you gone to a church service where they, it was the kind of that fire and brimstone? that God is a vengeful God. God is a God that is going to, to get you if you don't do what is right. Those are the kind of people that hunker down and, and kind of back away. But if God believes that there is more in you, more to, to be experienced, more to come out, more life that is available to you, He invests in you. He's investing in you all the time. Do you find in your own thought process that you go through the what if stage? But what if I fail? What if it doesn't go well? What if I try and it doesn't go the way I have imagined? It's probably better that I just sit here this morning and go through the motions. Isn't there anything worse than to live your whole life and never really try? And then finally, at the very end, it's that affirmation. Is, it really, is your life really all about me or is it about thee? Do you want to hear at the end of your life, do you believe that that's what's really going to play out? Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been, in, you've been faithful with just a little. I'm going to put you over much because of what you've tried to do. It isn't how much you've returned, but that you've tried, that you've expanded, that you've tried to use your intellect, that you've used your heart and you've grown your heart by leaps and bounds, and that you put your hand to the plow and made a difference. We believe that there's so much more that is lying just dormant in the ground, so much more to be invested, so much more that could be impacting our world, but you have to believe that you are called to that. You have to believe that God has entrusted to your care these gifts and talents for his kingdom. This morning, we have a wonderful opportunity. We're gonna celebrate a baptism, an investment in the future. The kingdom is coming among us, and we get to welcome Ashton among us to be a part of that new story that will play out. He's investing his life in the kingdom, and I invite you to do the same. If you feel that you're kind of been 
moving too close to the trees and you've lost that idea of the story, back away, create some space for yourself and say, look at how beautiful the life is that I have been given, the people that I'm surrounded by, the opportunities that I have to love and to be loved. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we've gathered this morning in your kingdom to hear your word. We ask, O oh God, that it continue to play in our hearts. And for those that have grown tired and weary, those that are burdened, those that are running from so many tasks and so many to-do lists, help us, Father, to create space to hear your voice, to call out to us at the end of all things, well done, good and faithful service servants. This we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.